Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Across the internet family, our handle is trustthejourney.today. That's our website and our socials. If you want a cost-free way to support the podcast, to support us, please subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Spotify or Instagram, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, follow there, share a podcast with somebody that you think it would help, all of that, leaving comments, all of that really helps us reach more people. So please, any of that, all of that is welcomed. Our Patreon community, the Trust the Journey family, is absolutely how we keep the show going and growing. The family is a private Facebook group where we expand the conversations directly with anybody seeking community and seeking connection and support in their healing journeys too. So we hold that space. We hold deeply safe, non-judgmental and encouraging space for us all to be vulnerable, to support each other in our challenges and in our wins. We're also hosting live integration coaching circles that are included for those who join the Patreon community at the $25 level. Those are going and growing as well. And it's really quite an interesting and beautiful healing part of our process to be in community and be real time sharing with others. So yeah, we invite you if you're feeling called, reach out if you have any questions. Go to trustthejourney.today, click on the orange Patreon button and that will get you in there. Right on. So per usual, when we are discussing and talking about plant medicines and psychedelic healing, we are sharing for informational purposes only. We are not doctors and we do not promote doing anything illegal. We invite people into their own inquiry, their own curiosity to learn more and, and follow that for themselves. So right on, peeps. I am excited that today we are welcoming Jessica Howard. Yes, Jessica. Jessica founded iTrip Psychedelics with the mission of destigmatizing intentional use of psychedelics by starting conversations, answering questions, and encouraging others who are ready to do the same. She hasn't always been such an advocate for psychedelics. Like many of us, she grew up during the D.A.R.E. program and Just Say No campaign and thought all drugs would fry her brain. Been there. <laughs> it was through educating herself and ultimately trying psychedelics that she found her passion in advocating for these substances. Jessica, welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to have you yeah. here. Thanks so much for having me, Melanie. I've, it was, you know, a long time coming. We met at Psychedelic Science and we talked about this and then here we are. I know, I know. I feel it's it's so amazing that particular experience that we all shared at the at the conference it's really it was tremendous to get to know so many people but also to be buoyed I think and bolstered by how many people out there want to have these conversations and so it was a totally natural invitation to say hey girl want to come on the show <laughs> right right yeah no totally it was really cool to be in a space where just so many people are rowing the same direction yeah. and and for this because I think we kind of 
forget that like the rest of the society isn't where we are and having these conversations on the daily. Yeah. So it was neat to be around so many like-minded people. Absolutely. Well, you know, one thing I like to do before we dive into stuff on the show is I like to ask people how, how they're doing. You know, like how, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling stepping into this space and this conversation? Just how are you? What's going on? Yeah, I'm I'm good. Um, life has been good lately. I actually just caught up with a friend this morning who I used to work with. And um, it was just really neat thinking about like where I was last time she and I talked versus today. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was really reinforcing just like how happy I am with where I'm at right now and, and doing the work that I'm doing. So oh, that's yeah, th- thanks for asking. Well, I love that. It dovetails honestly perfectly into my next question, which I often start by asking people their family of origin question, but I don't want to start there with you. I want to start there. I want to go there later, but I want to start with I trip psychedelics because you and I share the goal and the calling to create conversation to change the narrative around these psychedelics. And I and I'm wondering what experience led you and and fuels your desire to advocate publicly in the way that you do. Like I wanna hear more how did I trip come to be and like what is the the heart centered motivation behind it? Yeah. So I started my first psychedelic experience was in 2020. Mm-hmm. And and like you said in my intro, I was always pretty anti-drug. I grew up with a family or a, a parent who was an addict. So I had that as my benchmark for like what all drugs were like. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I had friends that were starting to to do psychedelics. One of them was a therapist and she like took some courses for integrating psychedelics into her work. And I thought she was crazy at first, but then I saw how it was changing her life and her husband's life. And I'm like, okay, maybe there's something to this. And then I read Michael Pollan's book. Um, I'm a learner, so if there's something I don't know about, like I'm going to learn what I can about it, right? And then after that, I read that book. I was like, well, now I, I have to try them. Like, I have, <laughs> I have to know what this is like. So I did. And like the whole time, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, this is LSD. Like, this is illegal. Like, this is amazing. Like, this is so mind-opening. And connect is connecting me with these people and nature and like this is a wonderful feeling this should not be illegal so at the time I was working in sales and you know I think one thing whatever you are a salesperson one one strength that you probably have if you're in that line of work is you like to talk to people about things and teach them about what what you know right and so it was just very natural for me to kind of just start talking about psychedelics with everyone that I met or all my friends and my family and everyone about the true effects, right? And um, I never was really like in the closet, I I wouldn't say. Like I was pretty open with my experiences with everyone. But I think I was like talking to the same people, my small group over and over again. And I kind of got to a place where I was like, I want to go bigger with this. Like I don't want to keep talking to the same people. Like I want to like talk to more people about this. And so that's really what inspired me to start iTrip was kind of like, we all had these stories, right? And as I'm talking to more and more people, other people who have had similar experiences, I'm like, how do we like bring all of our stories together? And that's when I came up with iTrip. So it's kind of like the Me Too movement, right? Yeah. Like all these women had their stories, but what tied the, the their stories together was that phrase. And so that's kind of the idea behind iTrip. Just like, I trip, I'm proud of it. I saw through the stigma. And I want people to know about it, yeah. you know, and I'm not ashamed. And I, I want 
I want to like stand behind this medicine, basically. Yeah, it's almost like a reclaiming of these words too that had that have historical judgmental context baked into them. Even the word trip implies something that like, ooh, that's like sort of the hippie movement or, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily hear it in like the ceremonial context, right? But theoretically, it's a word that could be used in that in that context as well. You know, it's sort it's interesting, though, about this this reclaiming of language and baking new meaning into it by showing up in that way. So I love that about what you're doing. I also love one of the things that I heard you say when I was doing some research for our interview is how you're like, not everybody has a platform. Not everybody is a professional athlete or an influencer or whatever, but these stories you wanted to create a place or I don't and I don't really know how people do share their stories with you, but I'd be curious to to know more about that because it is something that like how do people share if they don't feel like they, you know, because it's almost like it seems like iTrip helps people have an avenue for quote unquote coming out of the psychedelic closet. But like what how do you facilitate that if if you do? Yeah. So I just started a podcast very recently. Mm -hmm. I only have two episodes right now. So that's one avenue that people can do it. And then I have like merch. So that's one way like it doesn't have to be like on social media. Right. So I have a lot of people who don't want to go on their Instagram page and and talk about it (laughs) and and post their iTrip story, but they will wear it like in their community or around their friends and they're starting conversations and answering questions that way. Yeah. Um, You know, so like at whatever level people feel comfortable you know, I kind of just want it to be like, wear the shirt, have a conversation, go come on the podcast or it, here locally where I live in Jacksonville, Florida, we're starting this thing called Psychedelic Sundays and we're mm-hmm. doing it at a local Kava bar. Cool. And so it's like no alcohol, but people are coming together in community, sharing their stories. You know, there's some psychonauts there. There's some people who have never done psychedelics or maybe some people who have microdosed a few times. And so we're just like starting to build this community and share our stories. You know, we have one lady there who um, attributes a lot of her healing from Lyme disease mm. to psychedelics. Like she was told she would never walk again. Wow. You know? So like having people hear her story has been really powerful. Um, so yeah, there's lots of avenues for kind of just getting started, but that's kind of some things that we have um, started so far. Yeah, cool. And, uh, and going back to your very first LSD experience, what can you give us more detail into what if you if you don't mind, no pressure if you don't yeah. want to. Um what what happened? You know, you you mean you like did you have a transformational insight? Was it just whoa, I feel one of the unit like what occurred such that you were like whoa, I'm going to do this other thing or this matters a lot for me. Why why did it matter so much? I guess that first time, I mean, I was with my friend who was a therapist, right? So we were with someone who knew how to hold space cool. and, and guide the conversation and, and things like that. Um, but we were sitting on the beach, you know, it was it was would be considered recreational mm-hmm. by I think most people. Yeah. Um, but it was just the overwhelming sense. It was during the pandemic, so I felt so connected and I had felt nothing but isolation for months, yeah. right? That's that's how we were all feeling. So just everything that I needed at that time just like fell in my lap right and and I wasn't even like 
trying seeking it out and i feel like so then as i started having more and more psychedelic experiences i noticed the same thing happening like the medicine kind of brings to the forefront whatever you need whether it's something you need to work on whether it's something you need to cry about whether it's something you need to shift your perspective like it kind of just brings it to you on a silver platter as long as you go in with those intentions right um so yeah i guess it was just there's nothing like really profound about that first experience other than it just being like this light bulb like this is it like yeah i can't believe this is illegal and then as i started working with psychedelics more then it was just kind of just kept impressing me um in terms of what it was able to do yeah i love that you know it's it's i like that that's part of your share in the sense that we hear a lot of stories where it's like whoa it changed my whole life i healed this giant deep thing, which I've had those experiences for sure in my ceremonial work. But I also think it's a totally cool and wonderful thing to start a relationship with the medicine in a maybe more accessible way that maybe feels less scary. Not everybody is scared going into a deep, high dose ceremonial experience. I've learned that in (laughs) my sharing over the years. I laugh because I I have been historically quite terrified going into all of my ceremonies because I'm like very high level of respect for the medicine. I'm not sure what, like the very strong respect. And uh, with that comes the surrender into the deepness, the depth of the unknown. And so anyway, I have been historically afraid. And so I kept sort of projecting that onto other people. And not everybody that I talked to and have done ceremony with was afraid. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to put that forward. It doesn't necessarily have to be a scary thing for people to step into. But also, I like that there can be, maybe you don't go full ceremony the first time. Maybe you have a more, uh, just a simpler, smaller, quote unquote, recreational experience. But again, in terms of the reclaiming words, recreation is healing too, You know what I mean? Uh So like when we commune with medicine, I don't know if you bring intention when you work with medicine or when you recreate as it were, but like there's, I've personally started reframing my feeling around quote unquote recreational engagement with medicine. And what does that look like for me? I don't know how much that would be in my life or not. It's something that's evolving for me. But anyway, I'd be curious what your thoughts on that. Yeah, I am a huge advocate for this because I think when people hear, and I used to too, so, you know, it's coming from experience, like hear the word recreational, they think irresponsible, right? you know, and like those are not the same. They shouldn't be considered that, you know, always mutually exclusive. I don't know if that's the right word there, but you know what I'm going for. So it's like whenever I use psychedelics, like I test my drugs, I know my dose, I set intentions like even sometimes with friends before we go out we know we're just going to go listen to music and dance and we'll like literally go around the circle and set an intention nice and then when we get back at the end of the night we recap and we're like what did you learn tonight or how did you feel tonight you know and it's beautiful like that that you can go out and have this experience and like like one of my friends last time we went out the attention was to not care about what people think for a few hours you know and like, so we go out and it's their first time in this like, you know, EDM scene kind of thing. 
And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be perfect. No, you're not going to, no one's going to be judging you. You're not going to care, you know? And so we go out, everybody dances, everyone has so much fun. And at one point he looked over and he's like, you know, I don't care what anyone thinks about me right now. I know. <laughs> you know? Um, and so it was, it was really cool. Um, but yeah, so it doesn't have to be recreational, you know, or yeah. it doesn't have to be irresponsible. Um, I think recreational is beautiful. Um, as long as it's done responsibly. Yeah. And I used to kind of not really understand the whole ceremony work or the retreating. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why are people spending thousands of dollars mm -hmm. to go have these experiences when you can do it for just like, you know, 40 bucks with your friends and in, in, in the woods or, mm -hmm. you know, at a festival. Um, but I will say since I went on a retreat, I get it. I get the healing and community thing. That was a humbling experience for me because I, I thought it was, not necessary um but i heard somewhere and i feel like it might have been at psychedelic science someone was talking about ceremonial work and they said indigenous cultures that's why they do it that way in ceremony because whenever you're a part of a tribe like you feel a responsibility to heal yourself because otherwise you're holding the tribe back right so Powerful. whenever you heal yourself you heal your tribe Beautiful. and it's like no man left behind kind of mentality versus our society where we kind of hide behind our pharmaceuticals yep. and our smiles and our big houses and our fancy cars to make people think we're good, mm -hmm. but we're not good. Yep. You know, we're not good. Um, so anyways, having that retreat experience really taught me the power of healing and community. Yeah. And so I'm really looking forward to more of those experiences moving forward. Yeah. I'm big on the safe container. And that's the thing, too, like what what does, quote unquote, doing this responsibly even mean? You know what I mean? I tend to think about set and setting. I think about that anytime I I, I consider con consuming a plant medicine or psychedelic medicine of any kind, whether I'm microdosing or whether I'm, you know, intermediate dosing or whether I'm having a ceremony that's being safely held for me. Those containers are super, super key and super, super important. And so I love that you're sort of starting to model that around we set an intention. I I don't necessarily think I would feel even comfortable going to, and I just to be clear, EDM is electronic dance music. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just making sure. I'm like, I think yeah. I know what that means. I don't know if I'm cool enough. <laughs> um, but like, I love to dance. I feel like I can have an immersive, not necessarily psychedelic experience uh, dancing, but in in really connecting to music and moving and being in my body and being deeply present. Fucking love that. It is so much fun to me and so freeing and just beautiful and all of the things like healing in so many ways. So Anyway, where I'm going with this is pointing to this notion of set and setting and and how you're including that in your quote unquote recreational approach to medicine mm -hmm. work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, set and setting are huge. And sometimes, you know, I feel like once you have some psychedelic experiences under your belt, you can have a little bit more like leeway with your at least with your um, set. Right. Like initially, I think you need to be at uh, home or in a place where you can control all the sensory information coming in like the lighting and the temperature and the music and you need to be able to control all of that right but then once you have some good experiences then I sometimes I at least feel comfortable stepping into 
you know, settings that maybe wouldn't be a good for a first time experience, right. you know, like at a, at a festival or, you know, like at, um, you know, like out in public more, you know, where you know how to handle yourself, you know how to get around those sorts of yeah. things. Like it's sometimes fun to like, you know, I saw the Van Gogh exhibit once, you know, on some mushrooms. Like that wouldn't be a good first experience for someone else. But once you're experienced, then you can kind of like do that sort of thing, I guess. Um, so I think it's really, really important, um, especially and like, but then sometimes like setting, sometimes I know I'm not in a good mindset, but sometimes I'm like, I just need to do some mushrooms and work through this, yeah. like in my head. And I know I might have a bad trip, but I'm okay with that because I know I'll learn something from it. So I think that like set and setting kind of like uh, evolves as you have more experiences. For me anyway, personally, it has. I'm interested to hear what you, yeah. what you think about that. Well, I'm. The part where you mentioned, okay, sometimes I know that, oh, I just need to work through something where it's, you know, because again, going away from the more recreational, which again, I think I personally think it all when approached as such, it is all it all falls under the umbrella of healing. I personally believe that not everyone has to agree with me. It's all good. That's how I see it, because I know the intentionality with which I take to any of this stuff. So like I know that my intention with communing with any psychedelic is that it is healing there. I, I was like, is this one of those pauses she was talking about? It's, so I no, just it's not. It's uh, okay. the, I changed the Internet. So now the pauses are likely to occur. So humor that our audio engineer will cut that out. What did you last hear me say? Mm, I heard you say something about like it's all healing. Cool. So I think it falls all in under the umbrella of healing. So when I'm thinking about, um, oh gosh, what did you last say? I feel like I just forgot what you said. So it's set and setting and like once um, you have good experiences under your belt, you can have a little bit more leeway with your set and setting. Like you can go, you know, like to the Van Gogh Museum or you can be like, I'm not in a good mindset, oh, but yeah. I want to work through something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Thank you for that. Because I was like, oh, yeah. So you mentioned working through stuff like that. Not all everything is in all recreational, but I tend to, yeah. like I said, I tend to believe that recreational because of the way we approach medicine is all under the umbrella of healing. But going to the idea of I recognize in myself that I have something to work on, something sort of darker, some darker energy, something that needs healing that's on the shadow side of the house that is a pain point or something that needs to come up and out of me. What is like, what does that look like for you? And I'm also just to put this into the question already is I'm also really curious about what prompted you to to do it in the first place was there because I know Nancy Reagan just you know to gr drugs the egg frying in the frying pan but you ultimately you had this LSD experience but why how come it was literally everything that I read about in that Michael Pollan book yeah. so I knew healing was possible yeah. right but I also knew there was just like conscious consciousness expanding okay and so I was it was like, more curiosity like thing and the way that they laid it out in the book like with Mm -hmm. Got it. Yes. yes, definitely more curiosity. Okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Initially. Yeah. And then what was what was the other question about? Yeah, the, about oh, the healing. I need to work yeah. on stuff. Well, yeah. How do you approach that when you have something to work on? 
And you're like, Mm -hmm. this is I'm going to sit with medicine because I feel this sort of thing that I know I need to, quote unquote, address. What does that look like for you? So I would say that there's but just been a handful of times where I've really gone in like I'm dealing with something, you know, sadness, anger, like whatever it is. And I know I'll get to the bottom of it if I do like some psychedelics yeah. today. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to carry it around any longer. I want to like start addressing it, working on it. And so there's been a couple times. One time I actually was alone. I was at home and I let a friend know. I was like, you're on call if I need you, yeah. but like I'm good, you know. Um, and the other times I was I was with uh, friends. At one time I, I spent the entire time crying, like all six, seven hours, yeah. you know, like on the ground, fetal position, crying. Um, and it was tough. It was a really hard experience. Um And it took me a minute to integrate, you know, what I learned that day, which was that like I needed, I had a lot going on in my life last year. That was, um, I had a job I needed to leave. I had a friendship that I needed to leave. Mm -hmm. And it was a job that I thought I was really good at and that I liked, you know, and it was my best friend, you know, it was my best friend. And like friend breakups are like harder than romantic breakups, I feel like. So hard. And she... Yeah. And it was also my friend who introduced me to psychedelics, you know, so it was it was a tough loss and it was not one I wanted to walk away from. Yeah. Um, but I needed to do it. I needed to like both of those things go. And I kept trying to bring them with me. Like I knew I wanted this new life and this new, you know, this new thing, like because psychedelics were changing me and these things weren't in alignment anymore. But I'm like, but if you guys change, you can stay and you can be in alignment with me. You know what I mean? But that's that just wasn't possible. And so so I had to let those things go and create space for the universe to send new stuff, you know? And once I did let go of those things and I let there be empty space, I didn't try to fill them up. I waited and let to see like what would the universe bring me? And then I got to decide, is it in alignment or not? Yeah. Does it stay or does it not stay? And like this last year has just been like, so beautiful the way it's unfolded and the people that have come into my life yeah. and the opportunities that I've had. Like I couldn't have curated it better myself. You know what I mean? Like I had to like let it all play out and let it flow and stop fighting to make it the way I wanted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, that was one of my like big, big healing journeys, I guess. Yeah. I Thank you for sharing. I feel like it really makes a difference when we can hear people's specific stories. You know, what what really have they gotten out of this? You know what I mean? Because I feel like when we talk about changing the narrative, it's one thing for us to attach our credibility. You have a successful career and this and that, all the things that you've done in your life that in society's current view makes you someone to trust. And so, okay, cool. I can just say this stuff helps and this stuff heals you and give it a shot if you feel called to it and all the things that we talk about on a gen- in a general sense about, med- about plant medicine. And it's quite another to be like, I cried for seven hours and I because I knew deeply that I needed to leave this job and that I knew deeply that I needed to let go of this friendship and I had to and I grieved that and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. I talk a lot. Rebel. 
about my ceremonial work on the show. But like one of the things I say often is that early on in my work with plant medicine, as I cried rivers and rivers of unexpressed sadness out of my body. I didn't even know what it was about for the first like four ceremonies with ayahuasca and psilocybin and was actually what seven ceremonies before I was starting to get more insights around specific things. But it was more like get all this out first, you know? So sometimes we get insight, sometimes we don't. And either way, it was like, it's beautiful healing. Um, So anyway, I want to hear, I want to go back to more of your origin story now. And I want to hear like, where did you come from? You know, like how, how did you get here? What were you like as a kid? Give us a sense of your childhood so that people can see themselves that much more in you and your story. Yeah. So I grew up in Central Florida um, and I have a half sibling, but he's quite a bit older than me. So I was pretty much raised as an only child. Um, and I actually like dissociated a lot as a kid. Really? I don't have a whole lot of memories. Um, I don't think that, and I have gone in with intentions on trying to like, dig, you know, remember some of those things, uh, actually here in the last year I've done that and I didn't remember anything terrible and I don't think anything terrible happened to me, but I did start remembering like really good memories, Boy. which was, um, not what, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but, um, so that was really cool. And I, what I took away from that, that intentional journey was like, I don't think anything terrible happened to me. I think it was chaos mm. at yep. my house. Like I know that, right? Like I had one parent who was an addict. I had one who was very verbal and it was just a lot of chaos. And so I think I just dissociated to like not have to deal with it and like just did my own thing and read. I do remember I read a ton of books. Yeah. Um, and, and I just stayed busy. And I did have a really, I think my parents knew that home was chaos. And so I had a lot of extracurricular activities that were really good. Like I went over to friends' houses yeah. a lot after school. I did dance. I did, you know, I was always like doing stuff, yeah. art classes or whatever. Like I was busy, but when I was at home, it was chaos, yeah. you know? And so I think that, that that was what was going on there. And then... I um, went to college at University of Florida, mm-hmm. and then I got a ended up getting a doctorate degree. And uh, yeah, I've been in Jacksonville ever since. I was married for a while, but I've been divorced since 2014-ish. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just, I don't know. I get any other questions, <laughs> that's going to be though in a nutshell. So so many, so many life experiences that we could pick up, like, <laughs> you know, pull on those threads. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's yeah. sort of like the the reason for trust the journey is to get to know real people. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's to get to know what you're doing with what you're building with iTrip and all that stuff, of course, because we want to give people resources for coming out of the closet as it were in their own ways and also feeling supported to share their stories whether it's like you said in what they choose to wear and what they choose to share with their friends or maybe a more expanded community or maybe they join a coaching circle like like ours or maybe they get on go on your podcast or our podcast who who knows it can be lots of different things but i think we we believe deeply that getting to know a real you as a person is extremely high value and so it's great that you're sharing that because i mean how many people can relate to their home life as a kid being chaotic you know i mean how many parents 
know what they're doing. You know, one of the big healings for me, and this is not even through my psychedelic healing, but just in my own growth journey, is realizing, oh, yeah, oh, your parents are just people. Oh, my mom had me when she was, you know, 26 years old. Like, who knows what the fuck they're doing at 26? You know, my dad was 24. Like, what? Right. Of course he didn't know what he was doing. So there's a lot of compassion that can be born from from that type of mind shift. And I know psychedelics help us get to those places on top of processing grief and this and that. But um, I mean, tell us about your your divorce journey, if you don't mind, yeah. because that's a really powerful story. I I imagine that so many can relate to because heartbreak is really, really mm-hmm. challenging. I don't know if you experienced that, but yeah, tell us more about that experience, if you don't mind, in in such a way that you think it would be of yeah. value. Sure. Yeah. And before that, I'll just to like close out the the parent and the dissociation thing. Yeah. Is the last time that I really like intentionally worked on that, one thing that I thought was a cool perspective shift is, you know, I had this like resentment towards my parents for a lot of years of like, you know, why couldn't they make it a more a better environment, you know, yeah. to be in. Like, if you're going to get divorced, fine. But, like, did you have to let it be so bad that I don't remember anything? Right. You know? Like, and I had a lot of resentment. And during this um, psychedelic experience, I, like, shifted that perspective of, instead of resentment, I started just, like, being really grateful for, like, enriching the environment outside of the home. You know, because I think that they did what they could with what they were given, yeah. right? Like, neither of them had these, like, super solid childhood experiences themselves. So, like, how did they know how to make it good for me, yeah. you know? So, it was a really cool just shift in perspective yeah. that I don't think I would have ever achieved otherwise, Yeah, you know? I mean, I've been in therapy mm-hmm. for years, you know? And, like, I had never thought about it in that way, you know? Um, so, so just to kind of close that out. Yeah. And then in terms of my divorce, like, honestly, it was pretty, I've never really needed to heal a whole lot from it. Like we, we were married young. Like I was 24 when I had my daughter, um, and we were married for just a few years and we're, we get along still like he's remarried and his um, wife and I, like, I took her to the spa before they got married, and like, we go to happy hour together uh, sometimes. Like, for the most part, like, we—he's a great guy. He just wasn't my guy, yeah. you know. And so, luckily, like, I never really had a whole lot of healing that I needed to do from that. I'm happy that we walked away when we did and didn't try to stay together for our daughter or for. Um, you know, because you just don't want to get divorced. You know what I mean? I'm glad we walked away so we could both like go on with our lives mm-hmm. and, and find, try to find other people or even if we're not with other people, just to not be with someone we're not meant to be with, you know? So I can't really say that it, that was like something that I really struggled with. Um, I mean, it wasn't easy, you know, that first probably year just going through the process is never easy. But um, once we got through it, like it's been pretty good since then. So sounds like a model of consciously creating something after a severed relationship and after a making a decided change in in a relationship. 
Um, my podcast partner, Jay, he's he's like this in the sense that he and his ex-wife split and they really made a conscious effort to like create something new on the other side of that, her with her new partner and, you know, him doing his his life and the way that he needs to, all this stuff. I mean, he shares about this on the show, so I'm not breaking that. I mean, people would know listening, but it's it's a beautiful example, I think, you know, to see that. I have a, I certainly have examples of that in my life where people are divorced and yet they have a really great relationship, whether it's co-parenting or whether it's just they're now friends and that's the better relationship dynamic for them. It's very cool. I feel like even just stories of, of that planting the seed of possibility that a divorce doesn't mean you never speak to the person again. It can mean that. It can certainly mean that, uh, but it doesn't have to if you I think it all comes back to trusting yourself and not forcing anything. You know what I mean? Because I have certainly have exes that I talk to that are great friends. And then I have other exes that that are not that are not in my life. And that's okay too. It's just interesting, I think, contemplating for each of us what the right thing is in each unique scenario, allowing that grace. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, I, who's to say, like, had I not done psychedelics, maybe we wouldn't have as good of a relationship, you know, like, (laughs) I I can't say that. But do I think, do I think that they have helped me like, not be triggered by things that might normally be triggering for someone? Absolutely. You know, like, especially whenever there's, you know, a stepmom involved and like, homecoming dress shopping and like (laughs) do I think I could have gotten triggered had I not like you know like had psychedelics in my life possibly you know but like I'm just like oh that's such an amazing experience for Riley like go you know what I mean so um yeah yeah that's my thoughts there do you have any calling for yourself to do a deeper ceremony like to go and do maybe a you know a multi-day ayahuasca retreat is that uh is that something you're called to do. Not that you need to. I'm more just curious because most of the time when we talk to people who have done psychedelic work, they've come to it from the ceremonial context. So talking to you is different and unique in the sense that you come at it from the quote unquote recreational slash healing context. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that other side of the proverbial house, as it were. Yes, I can't wait to do more work along those lines, especially ayahuasca. I'd love to you know, do all of that. And I guess for a while I wasn't ready because I was a little concerned about like the dissociation and what could come up and all sure, of that. Sure. Um, but I'm really not concerned about that anymore. And even if something does come up, like I know I'll, I'll be supported and be able to work through it. But like, I guess that fear for a while held me back. Um, but I don't have that fear anymore. So I am excited. And a lot of times with these like deeper things, like I recently tried DMT and that was one where I was like, I don't want to seek it out. I want it to find me. Yep. Um, and it did. It found me, right? Is it? And so that's kind of been my attitude with like 5NEO or ayahuasca is it? where, I mean, Costa Rica and Peru is not going to find me, right? Like is I'm going to have to make a little effort to get over there. Yep. Um, but I am kind of just like waiting for like a sign or something that tells me that like this is the right place and the yep. right time. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely open and excited and, yeah. and hope that I get to get to do that soon. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that perspective a lot. In all of my experience with 
ceremony and medicine uh, and the, in the ceremonial context, the higher dose situations, it absolutely, and even in lower dose context, it calls to me. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people say that the medicine calls to you, like you said, oh, I want it to find me. I feel like that's basically the same thing of like, you'll uh-huh. know when the me- when it's time for you to meet the medicine, you will know. And interestingly, too, that you point back to the fear of what will the medicine show me? I am afraid of what that might be. You know what I mean? And that is a big deal because that is very, very, a very real possibility anytime we meet medicine at any dose, at any dose. You know what I mean? That even microdosing, which, you know, doesn't seem like it would have much impact because theoretically you're not feeling hardly anything. You know, I've been microdosing more recently to experiment with what that feels like and the impacts on my creativity and my focus and just collecting some of my own personal data around around how psilocybin in a microdose actually affects me and all of those things that I care about. But anyway, I uh, I think it's it's a good thing to point to. And I think it's okay to be afraid of that. It's almost like if we are afraid of it, how can we breathe and allow that fear to be true and also complement it with the idea that the medicine always has our back. It only gives us stuff that that we need. It gives us exactly what we need and it only gives us as much as we can handle. So like that, I feel like is is a beautiful sort of complement to what you just shared. And there's a study that came, they, they, I went to the session at um, Psychedelic Science, I think it was UC Berkeley that surveyed people and asking like, do you think that, you know, psychedelics should be legalized or available for the psychedelic or for therapeutic use? Mm-hmm. And the majority of people say yes. But the majority of those people say, but it's not for me. It's it's like for other people, mm. you know, like. And so what I thought about with that, like, that's where we still have work to do, right? It's like people think everyone else needs it, but not them. Got it. Yeah. You know? And so I'm like, that's so silly, right? You know, because like you guys are all walking around with this, carrying it with you, whether you address it or not. Right. And so then I kind of put that on myself, like whether I do ayahuasca and remember something, I'm carrying that trauma with me regardless. Yep. So like it's like an ostrich with his head in the sand. You know what I mean? Like it's there. And it's affecting me and it's affecting my relationships with people, whether I handle it or not. So might as well like, like, you know, just like kick fear in the face and like deal with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's funny the what I say about healing a lot, like the biggest the the biggest thing about healing and what holds us back the most is that we don't think we need it like that is is especially with people that I work with, the type A personalities. I'm a life coach for 15 years and, you know, I've been coaching teams for 20 years and all this stuff through skydiving and all of that. So it's not the same thing per se, but it is similar in terms of you're constantly dealing with personalities and mindsets and limiting beliefs. And so you see that, of course, in the realm of, of growth and healing on any level. But yeah, that's that's something that I see the most like really what really and truly what holds us back the most 
when it comes to healing is we don't think we need it. So uh, anybody listening to this, actually, if you if this is you, it's not that I'm saying that so that you'll go sign up for ayahuasca ceremony or like start taking mushrooms or whatever. It's more an invitation to contemplate why you are why you may be blocked around even considering this. So, yes, like even someone who has zero healing they need to do if that person exists right like i feel like this medicine can teach them something you know um whether it's something big 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 t trauma little t trauma or just you know a new perspective like it can teach you something yeah well what's your vision so you know as we wrap up our conversation like what is your thought what are are your thoughts and your visions for the future both for your life I mean you don't have to share if you don't want to for yourself your life for for your community that's building for iTrip like what are your what are you seeing in in the future what are you aiming to build and all of that yeah so first and foremost is I really just want to be a part of like destigmatizing psychedelics regardless of their evolving like legal status um I want people to realize that if they know someone who is doing psychedelics, that they shouldn't judge them, you know, that these medicines were basically made or criminalized, made illegal for social and political reasons. And in my opinion, they remained criminalized because they're not profitable for big pharma. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's no reason to look down on someone for doing something that's helping them. Um, It's like so much stigma built around these medicines that for many of us, they're way more effective than the solutions that Big Pharma has presented that we're kind of like are the only options, you know? Um, So really, that's like the first thing is that's like my big mission, right? Just don't judge people for doing this, um, regardless of legal status. And, you know, we associate legal with safe and good and illegal with unsafe and bad. And that's not the case. These things are good you know and they just aren't profitable that's that's the bottom line yeah um and then in terms of the future i mean i think life will take me outside of florida um as my daughter gets in college and and you know we could both spread our wings a little bit um i'd love to probably end up in denver maybe san diego or kind of the two city or you know two areas on my my radar right now um someplace where the psychedelic work is kind of picking up steam a little bit faster than than in Florida. Yeah. Um, I think I would like to take some some sort of classes. Like I'm looking at the one with Psychedelics Day, their vital training program or yeah. CIS and just kind of get a little bit more education under my belt so that I can um, take on more, you know, like take on clients or like, you know, hold space for people and just feel really um, prepared to do that, like moving forward. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure exactly what iTrip holds, you know, but, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of like not trying to force anything and kind of seeing where the path leads me, I guess. Yeah. It's also there, the section of the unknown is where usually the best in life is found. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're, we're also afraid of, of that. But one of my early coaches, I was like, Oh, gosh, it's long before I did any psychedelic healing. It's before I did a, even the vast majority of my therapy, just really 
early on in my journey, I was having some kind of breakdown. It was, I think it was connected to my own divorce. But anyway, my, my coach was essentially, he, he helped me see, he's like, okay, cool, cool. You feel like, you know, you need to control. He's like, great, control 95% of it. Do it. Why not? If that's what you want, fuck yeah, control 95%. He's like, but make sure you at least leave 5% because you know or like because in that 5%, we don't know what could happen. It, it also includes some of the best possibilities that we can't think up. So we like, you know what I mean? The unknown, yeah, it includes the scary possibilities, but it also includes the amazing possibilities that we can't currently conjure. And so I, I really try to take that frame when I think about the unknown now in, in my life and in my work and all of that. And I, before, I, I don't want to, I want to go back quickly to what you shared about the the politicizing of of these substances and and how interestingly in all of my work as an activist and all my learning around this type of stuff I I want to say I read this in Glennon Doyle's book Untamed which I believe is a uh, is is an amazing must read for anyone. It's so so good. But what she essentially points to is that if you see injustice in the world, you all you need to do is look far enough upstream to the money, and that's where you have to do your work. And so that's the thing. Like I have a really strong stance personally. Also, uh, like. Uh, with big pharma, like being like, I am not, I I feel viscerally like rejecting of big pharma. And I say that with the caveat of, I know there are things that are out there relative to pharmaceuticals and this and that. I'm again, not a doctor. So take it all with a grain of salt. Of course, anybody who's listening, uh, it's more just to say, I know there's things that, that help people for sure. And that's great. There is also a real strong part of me that's like, I, I don't I don't love the vast majority of of anything connected to big pharma and especially it's seeing it in the psychedelic narrative and the psychedelic history of the criminalization of these things. It's just it feels deeply wrong to me, which is, again, why I'm so passionate about being a voice for it. Yeah, no, it's everything from I mean, psychedelics were the thing that opened my eye to this whole like big pharma problem but it's like why are we not learning breath work and yoga and meditation and pe throughout our childhood yes you know because they'd rather put even kids on a pill that they have to take every day for the rest of their life and then like why aren't we learning like nutrition like all this biohacking stuff that should be pe yeah you know what i mean like that should we should be learning about this stuff our entire lives and but they don't want us to know it because it makes us healthy and then we don't need surgeries and we don't need pills and we don't need all of this stuff, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just this monster that, I mean, I'm like trying really hard not to feed, like yeah. knock on wood, like don't have health insurance right now because I don't want to pay into a system that wants me to be sick. Right. Like for, it would be like $900 a month for me to have, similar insurance to what I had before. Like I'd rather take $900 a month and like go sit in a hyperbaric chamber and do red light therapy yep. and get IV infusions and like get supplements and like do actually do something for my health 
instead of pay into a system that wants me sick. Amen. You know, they want us anxious. They want us depressed. They want us to have ADHD. They want us to have all of that stuff. Right. It's very profitable for them to have, for us to have that stuff. Yes. So yeah, I'm, I'm right there, right there with you, sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, God, I know that's like kind of a comical note to potentially end on because it's like so dark and like, but it's like, <laughs> kind of awesome because it's also truth. You know what I mean? A darkness is also truth. And it's not something to fear. It's something when we go into the darkness, when we look at the darkness, that also is a very powerful thing that we, it's a powerful skill. It's a powerful willingness. You know, that's another thing that I, I feel like psychedelics have taught me is learning to really love and honor the darkness and go in, even though a lot of it is moved away and purged from my life and from my being. So I'm not saying love it and keep it. I'm saying love it and and purge it, love it and let it go. Um, and so I feel that, you know, how does that how do my actions model that in my life and all of this stuff? So it's like, yeah, we can only do so much as an individual person, but we can always do what we can. And that is a really empowering place to be. And I feel like you're an example of that doing the work from an idea you started this thing yeah you're new at this at this this business that you're starting and this movement of your own this brand that you're starting but you started it you're you're putting yourself out there you're trying to create conversation you're trying to create other avenues for understanding and education and connection and community that is stuff that we want to go let's lift that up you know what I mean? Like, that's why I wanted to have you on the show on top of, of course, connecting you per with you personally, but also being like, fuck, yeah, girl, you know, you don't have to be Aaron Rogers to have something really valuable to say. And trust me, I love Aaron. So that's a, not a diss on Aaron. I fucking love that guy. Um, so it's more like Same. we all have this value to add and the more voices and the more energy we put toward it, the more change we're going to make to this behemoth thing that you just spoke to right, right. so anyway on that note my friend thank you so much for being here please tell us how everyone can connect with you what you want them to know how they just all the ways that they can connect you with you support you and get all the stuff yeah so i'm on um instagram as i trip psychedelics and then also just on Spotify, I chose psychedelics as well. And then I have a link tree, so it has information to all of that. And then my website is itrippsychedelics.com. So if you want any merch or check that out and kind of hear a little bit more about my story, that's all on there. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Heart yeah. hands. I love it. Peeps, follow Jessica, connect with her. And of course, all of our stuff per usual, trust the journey that today and onward from here. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Melanie. <laughs>